you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Charlene, I'm going to ask you to stay here. We're going to sing that again. How many believe that today? I want to tell you right now, that song plays a powerful, just speaks a powerful word to my life. I know it does to all of our lives, but that is who you are. When I'm praying that, I'm saying, God, that's who you are. You are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper, God. I believe that with all my heart. We're gonna do something before I preach today. We're gonna go back into prayer. Um, there's family that really needs that song today, that needs that in their life. You guys know I'm great friends with Steve Pennington, missionary to East Africa. He was the best man at my wedding. We went to Bible school together. Uh, he, five years ago when I went through my trial, he was there with my boys and helped us big time. Uh, we need to pray for Steve and Trina today, for Priscilla, for Josiah. Um, this past week, he lost his youngest son. He's been sick uh, for a couple years, had something going on in his body, caused his heart to have problems, and he's a senior at North Central University in, in, uh, in Minnesota. And they couldn't get a hold of him. They were trying to touch base with him, and they said, man, is Mike okay? Someone needs to go over and, and check his room. And they found him in his dorm, red, dorm room uh, dead, physically dead. I want to tell you this. Spiritually, he was in heaven with Jesus. And Steve, Steve said that. I was talking to him all week. We were praying together. Uh, I didn't go to the memorial, which was yesterday. Phil and <clears throat> Beth Baker uh, we're there, but I'm going to be going to spend some time with Steve probably in a couple weeks or months when he just is taking some downtime, but we need to pray for him. The Exley's also got some bad information about he's going through some cancer stuff, so we're going to pray for them. You know, we're going to pray right now. I, it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I'm grateful that we have eternal life, and at the same time, we can make a difference in this life. Do you know, we're going to pray for the Penningtons, on this day, we need to remember since 1973, 1973, 60 million children have been murdered in this country through what we call abortion. We need to remember this day. We need to pray about this. We need to say, God, you need to change this. It's worse than the Holocaust. It's, it's unbelievable. When I, again, just I'm emotionally touched today by this song that we were singing when you go out and you say, uh, see Keystone Miller blood, you know, that's a way we can give life. This is, we're celebrating life today. And I wouldn't be standing here today if someone wouldn't have given some A positive blood. I can tell you that right now. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the Penningtons. I want us to pray for this country. Uh, can we just lift our voice? Don't just listen to me. Let's lift our voice to God. Let's pray, all right? Let's believe God. Father God, we thank you today that you are who you say you are, God, that you are almighty God. We thank you, God, that you are, God, the miracle worker for sure. God, we've seen it, God. Many of us stand here today because of the miracle you've done in our life. You can heal cancer. God, we pray for the exiles today, God. You can heal grief and you can bring strength to us, God. I, I know you've done that in my life, oh God. Do it for Steve and Trina today. God, our hearts break, God. We don't know the pain they feel. Many in this room do. Many watching online do. God, if you've ever, ever buried a child, God, then they know that pain. God, I pray that you would strengthen Steve and Trina as they've given their life to serve you, to live for you, God, to make an impact on the nations, oh God. Today, would you let your grace, would you be the way maker for them today? God, help them make a way where they feel there may be no way.
as they've buried their son, God, we pray that you would just bless and help them and give them strength, oh God. We lift them up to you, Lord, only by your grace, God. That's the only way we can do it, God. We're not strong enough, we're not mighty enough, God. It's by your grace. Your grace is sufficient. God, I pray that you would help Steve and Trina. God, that you would help Priscilla and Josiah as they've lost their brother. God, uh, as uh, uh, Priscilla, Lord, is getting ready to have a child, God, we pray for your grace upon her, Lord. God, would you just minister to the Pennington family, God? God, we pray for this country. We pray for America, God. We ask you to forgive us, God, for killing 60 million Americans in this country, God, because we wanna do what we think is right. We wanna make our choice, God. God, we wanna choose you, God. We wanna choose life, oh God. I pray for those who have been through abortions, God. Thank you, as as, uh, Mertz already prayed, for mercy, God. Thank you, God, for those even that have, have gone through that horrible part of abortion, God, but you have forgiven them. You've cleansed them, God. Your mercy is gracious, and we pray. We're not against those who've done that, Lord. We're for them, and we pray for them. But we pray for this country, God, that we would stop the murdering of these children, oh God. God, thank you for Miller Keystone. We pray your blessing upon them. Thank you for the people that do give blood. Thank you, God, for the miracle you've done in my life and the help you've given me, God. God, we thank you, Jesus. You are the promise keeper. You are everything in that song that we sing, God. That's our prayer today, and we give you praise, God, and we lift that up to you now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Charlene, lead us. Let's sing that again. Let's lift our voice if you believe it today. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, make miracle work, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the way maker. make miracle work, promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated today. However you look at the word today, I want you to take that out. Smartphone, iPhone, leather bound, whatever you've got. And uh, we're going to dive into the word today. Looking forward to this. Uh, We're wrapping up the series called Wisdom. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed going through the Proverbs. I've done that for many years, but what a blessing uh, it's been. A couple questions for you. Are you ready? Pop quiz. Pretty easy one, I will say this. How many read Proverbs 19 today? It's the 19th of January. All right, thank you for your honesty. How many are gonna read it? 
All right, all right, that's good. Uh, that's good. And uh, we've been on a reading plan where we're reading through the Proverbs. Um, whatever date it is, that's the proverb we're reading. There's 31 of them. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, second question, all right? Some of you are, need this one because you're already at a 50%. Um, how many are still keeping their New Year's resolution? Wow, eight of us. All right, okay, cool. That's good. I, I say that because I'm not a big year New Year's resolution guy. I'm just not. Um, Every year, you know, we would think about our year and what we're going to do, the changes we're going to make, but I would never just announce these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. Just, I didn't, I don't know, I just never done that. And I was watching uh, the news the other day, and, it, and they said this, and I just thought it fit in perfectly to what I was sharing today, and I thought about it. I don't know, you know, I was on the news, but how many know, I don't know if it was true. And I'm just saying that. All right, because they were saying that yesterday, today we're in day number 19 of the new year. It's day 19. And yesterday uh, on the news, they said January 18th, and they announced it kind of as National Depression Day. And I don't know, maybe I, you know, I was, I don't forget what I was doing. I wasn't just sitting there watching it, but maybe I misheard it. But so I looked it up, man, National Depression, they never heard of that, you know? And I don't know that that is a national holiday. But here's what they were saying about it, and it did catch my attention. They were saying that yesterday, the 18th of January, National Depression Day, here, here's why. Christmas is over. Everyone go, oh. Some of you sound more relaxed that it's over. I don't know. Maybe that was like a good thing. But Christmas is over. The family leaves. We go back to work. We're taking the Christmas decorations down, all right? Not as exciting as putting them up. Somebody say amen. amen. The credit card bill came yesterday <laughs> for your Christmas stuff. Yeah, that now we're getting some oohs and ahs, yeah. You gained weight from holiday eating. Oh, boy. You've already broken your New Year's resolution. Yeah, there we go. Shorter days. It gets dark so early. I got the flu. I feel sick. I'm coughing my head off. Another year older. I don't hear much reaction. You guys are staying at 29. Bam, done. January. Yeah, there you go. We got a 29-year-old that's excited. Awesome. That's awesome. We're happy for you. Can't hardly remember that, but anyway. <laughs> January is a time of reflection. It's a time to think. And many times what we do as human beings, we focus on our failures. We focus on our regrets. And so I could see where maybe January 18th, it's not a national holiday, but maybe you have felt some of that depression. Maybe you just feel down. Man, here we go, another year, facing the same stuff. But here's what I want to tell you. We got to know who God is. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He can change our lives. He'll keep his promise to us, all right? So I'm believing, I don't know about you, but I'm believing for 2020 to be a good year, all right? To be a good year. And um, so we believe here at GT, one of the ways we can make it a better year is by getting into this book. And I want to encourage you. I mean, I hope that 
You've been in this practice now, maybe 19 days. You're just reading a chapter a day. You're reading Proverbs. I hope that's putting you in this thing to say, you know what, I can tell you this. There's never been a day probably that you read this proverb and thought, ah, that was a waste of time. I don't even know why I read that. Whenever I read the Bible, I wanna tell you, there'll be some time during that day, I'll think, man, you know what? Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for that promise. Thank you, God, for that encouragement. Thank you for that conviction. Because when the Bible says when you read the Bible, it's like looking into a mirror, all right? And the fact is when we look into the word of God, we see ourselves for who we really are. Not the way we wanna see ourselves, but the way God sees us. And that's a powerful thing in our life. So I wanna encourage you. I hope you've done the reading plan with us. Uh, You got one this week. I'm I'm sure we're gonna be reading through Proverbs through uh, chapter 25. And so we're looking forward to that. But um, it's grateful. And I know some of you have joined us on the fast. Every Tuesday, we're fasting. And we're taking time not to eat that day, to spend more time in prayer. And I can tell you this, that when you do that, that's a great way to, for God to speak to you, to give you an impression, to, uh, to talk, you reflect about things. God, what do I need to change? What needs to change in my life? What needs to change in my attitude? God, I'm not believing you for the same old, same old, just another year, just another time on the job. God, I'm believing you, God, for, for work in my life this year, that you're gonna change who I am, that I need, maybe need to change. And again, not a New Year's resolution, but maybe you need to lose 10 pounds. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Maybe you need to eat better. Maybe you need to use your money in a more wise way. Maybe you need to strengthen a relationship with a family member or a child. I'm believing for that this year in 2020. We've been looking at wisdom, and today, the title of this last message is Wisdom Does. Uh, Kramer preached a great word last week on wisdom says. How many were thinking more about your mouth this week and what you say and don't say, all right? Proverbs are great for that, all right? And so today, we're gonna talk about wisdom does. On Wednesdays, uh, we've been doing a Facebook teaching. Scott and I, are, uh, this Wednesday, are gonna be talking about uh, reflections on Proverbs that we've read. But today, we're talking about wisdom does. And here's the bottom line, all right? If you forget everything else I say, here's what I want you to, to, to remember. The end you want tomorrow, the end of what you want tomorrow is connected to what you do today. You can't disconnect what's gonna happen tomorrow based on what you're doing today. You just can't, all right? So the end, what, the end that you want tomorrow is connected to what you do today. I'm grateful that our kids, our students have all been learning this together. We've been going through this. That's what your teenagers are learning about today. Scott Noggle and the team are back there right now and teaching them the same thing. And it, the, the end you want tomorrow is, gonna, is connected to what you do Today, wisdom does. First thing I wanna talk to you about is allowing God, allow wisdom to make deposits into your life. Allow wisdom. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I, who wouldn't want more wisdom? And I, I said earlier, you know, week one, these proverbs that we're studying, they're not, they're not fortune cookies. It's not like you're just gonna break it open and say, now I can believe for that. No, this is the word of God. And when we read these Proverbs and take them into our heart, that's God depositing wisdom into our life. Proverbs 8.11 says this, for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Now, how many desire some things? Raise your hand. You say, I don't know if that's right. Can I do that? Well, we do it no matter what. You know, I desire a new set of golf clubs. 
I, I desire that I'm going to catch that fish and I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, we have a lot of desires. There's nothing wrong with this. But what the proverb says, there's nothing you could desire. There's nothing you could ever want or hope you'd get that would surpass the valuableness of wisdom. Just think about that. Contemplate on that. Proverbs 13, 14 says, for wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. I would encourage you when you're reading these Proverbs, because when you read one chapter, you're gonna read 19 different thoughts. I would encourage you just to read slower. You know, there's a, a word in your Bible when you read it, it's often referred to as selah. It means just, it's like a, it's a musical term in the Psalms. It means slow down, take a rest, think about what you just read, and meditate on it, all right? Um, there's the wealth of God's word, the wealth of God's wisdom. Second uh, Timothy is a great one. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy 2.2. Listen to this, this verse from the New Living Translation. You have heard me teach, this is Paul the apostle, and here's what he says. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach those truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It talks about discipleship. It talks about passing on God's word. And Paul is saying, listen, you've heard me teach. He said, I've said some pretty powerful things, and I've said it among many reliable witnesses that I've seen Jesus Christ raised from the dead. He met me on that road to Damascus. I've taught you that. He's saying, now, I'm taking that and giving it to you. What I want you to do, you're trustworthy. Your life has been changed. You're a follower. I want you to take what I've given you, and I want you now to give it to somebody else. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna then pass it on. How many, are, how many had Christian parents in your life? You had mom and dad that loved? Just stand. If you had a mom and dad that loved the Lord, just go ahead and stand. Look around. Your mom and dad were Christians. What did they do? They made a deposit in you. All right, you can be seated. Um, when, you, when, that, when he says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, that now you've received it, now pass it on, that phrase um, in the word of God, paramethia, that's the Greek word. It means to take what's been deposited in you and now pass it on. And I, I felt that's such a strong connection to the Proverbs. And so what I did was I just had this thought, uh, Anybody know um, where piggy banks came from? When the first piggy bank was? Molly Latte's back there with a free latte, if you know. Seriously, anybody know where they come from? Don't look it up, don't Google it. All right? Uh, well, I'll tell you in a minute, because it doesn't seem anybody knows. I didn't know. But here's what I want to say to you when you read the Proverbs. How many have ever had a piggy bank? All right? Not loud enough. I'll try to stick my mic near it. You know, you're just putting the coins in, all right? It's a deposit. Paul says, take what I've taught you and deposit it in somebody else. Because then they're gonna take that truth, they're gonna take that wisdom, and they're gonna deposit it in somebody else as well. So I'm sitting there thinking about that, and I thought, man, piggy, where in the world did piggy banks come from? Um, I'm glad you ask. It comes from before online banking, before you could have a safe in your house, before all that, piggy banks, all right, um, they were back in the day when people had a few extra coins and they were gonna save it, didn't know what to do with it, they had everything they needed, they'd put it in this clay jar. That clay was called pig clay, P-Y, 
GG. All right? It was kind of an orange clay. And here was the deal. And it's a really, this, I'm not going to say that, you know, the piggy bank's going to speak to your heart, but I'll tell you right now, it spoke to mine. Because I'm looking this up, and this, they would take this clay. We're talking now in the early centuries, all right? Maybe the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th century. They'd take this pig clay, they would form it together, and they would make a jar. Now, the deal was there was no opening. Here on this one, you can take it off, and you can dump your coins out. You can go down to the bank, and you can get cash for it, right? It wasn't that way. You made this jar. It was totally solid. They put a slit in it, and then they would just put their extra coin in it, all right? Uh, over time, in the epitomology of the word pig, P-Y-G-G, uh, maybe the 15th, 16th century, whatever, now it was P-I-G, the English transliteration pig, P-I-G, and so they made a piggy bank, or it was known prior as a pig pot, this clay pot. I don't know if the guys have a picture of it or not. I have a piggy bank picture from the 13th century that you'd like to see. But this is kind of the traditional one. Order from Amazon, you have it in two days. You know what I mean? Uh, but I want you to get the idea that wisdom, when you read these Proverbs, it's like just taking one of those phrases, one verse, it's making a deposit of wisdom. Now, the deal was, can you imagine... You can't get your money out of here now back in the 13th century because there is no little cap you can flip. You had to decide, is this worth it? Because you know what you had to do to get the money? You had to break it. I know some of you are wondering, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Uh, no. But my thought was, that was it. You know what? I thought, if you're trying to get on your budget, it's not just putting your passcode, do the password, and get your money out of the debit, you know, or put it on your credit card. No, you had to make a decision. And I will tell you this about wisdom, that there are times when you make, God makes deposits in you. You read the word, you're in the word, and I wanna tell you, and you go through a time of brokenness, and all those deposits that God made in you help you get through the trial of your life. I can tell you right now, five years ago in my life, I thank God for every scripture I ever read. I thank God for every prayer I ever prayed. It got me through that time. I don't wanna be bitter, I wanna be better. I can tell you right now, Steve Pennington and Trina in the loss of Micah, I can tell you right now, there's brokenness in their life, but I can tell you the things that God's put into their life is making a difference right now. All right? So we gotta make those deposits. Paramethia, take what you've received, whether it's New Testament, Old Testament, whether it is a proverb, all right? And we need to do that. Secondly, we need to allow those deposits in our life. Secondly, we need to choose wisdom over foolishness. Now again, as we wrap up this series, I wanna remind you today what a proverb is when we read the book of Proverbs. This is really important uh, in our biblical understanding, all right? Uh, the English word proverb, if you just forget the book of Proverbs, just the English word proverb comes from the Hebrew word mashal. Mashal, say it to your neighbor, mashal, all right? See, you're fluent in Hebrew and didn't even know it. Uh, it mashal means comparison something similar. It's a parallel. That's what proverb means in that Hebrew language. So when you define proverbs, that we've been studying the book of proverbs, a proverbs is like, it's kind of a figure of speech that the author, in our case, when you read the Bible, the proverbs, the author is God Almighty. He has inspired Solomon to write this as the word of God. He uses comparison in order to present a direct observation 
or instruction. So what it is, when you read the proverb, it's this direct instruction from God, and God is saying, here's what I want you to know. If, you're, if, you, if you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Deposit, all right? A lazy man turns on his bed like, like the door turns on its hinges. Deposit. It's just that, it's that deposit in your life, all right? And so that's what we need to do. We need to choose wisdom. Many times when you're reading the Proverbs, you're reading them like I am. It's saying, this is what a wise person does. This is what a foolish person does. This is how a wise person thinks. This is how a fool thinks, all right? There's that ongoing comparison, that similarity, that parallel, all right? So uh, that's what I want us to think, that when you have that proverb, that is a timeless, not only 3,000 years ago, this is the mind of God being revealed to us, all right? And God's saying, this is what wisdom really is. So Proverbs tend to be more practical, not theological. They're written in a way that you can kind of commit them to memory. I'm sure as you've been reading that. And here's what I want to say to you. I'm going to ask you again a question. Because again, you can listen to sermons all your life. I can preach sermons my whole life. We need to apply what we're learning. I would encourage you to commit these Proverbs to memory. You say, oh, I can't remember. I can't memorize things. Brian, Brian, I'm getting old. Uh, I can tell you, there's guys that memorize the Phillies box score. All right, you remember and you memorize what's important to you. So I'm gonna challenge you, I don't care. I'm 55 years old, yeah, I may get a little, miss some things, but I wanna tell you right now, I wanna challenge you to commit this book to memory. All right? I got three amens and that's good, I'm gonna go with that. We need to commit the word to memory. Uh, not only that, uh, as you're doing it, we need to meditate on the word. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now what I'm gonna do. I felt God you know, leading me in this, we're gonna wrap up the Proverbs uh, on the 31st. What I feel, because then I'm gonna go into the New Testament. I wrapped up in the Old Testament last year. I kind of held off now because we're doing Proverbs together. But when we get done in February, I'm gonna start reading the New Testament, Matthew 1.1. But what God has kind of laid on my heart, what I'm gonna continue to do is every day this next month, I'm gonna read Proverbs 1. I've done it for a lot of years. I told you, I did it with my boys. It was kind of a devotion. If it was the 19th of January and they're going off to school, we'd sit down and we'd read Proverbs 19. It was a deposit, all right? Because you can get 19 deposits in one chapter. There may be one thing that you read that's, a, man, I needed to hear that today, all right? And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You need to meditate. So you may be reading today, those of you that haven't read Proverbs 19, and you're going to read it today, amen? amen? Amen. When you read that, there's going to be one of those verses that just like jumps at you. It's going to be a deposit. And you're going to, it's going to say, God, lock that in my mind, all right? Uh, I'm going to encourage you to memorize that verse, all right? Think, you say, what if I memorized one verse from each of the chapters? Make that your goal this year, to say, I'm gonna commit some of these Proverbs to memory, all right? So we need to allow God to make those deposits, all right? We certainly, as we're reading it, we need to apply, because wisdom is what we do. Wisdom does. So wisdom just doesn't listen. Wisdom does it. So now we're gonna choose wisdom over foolishness. Final point, all right? Number three. We need to trust God's wisdom in all circumstances. There are gonna be times, I don't know what 2020 holds for you. Honestly, when we started 2015, I had no idea that June 7th, my life was gonna be completely changed. I had no idea that I'd lose my wife, that I would lose my left leg, that I would almost lose my own life. I had no idea. 
I, and I, look, believe me, I'm trusting for better things, all right? I, don't, I do not believe yesterday was National Depression Day. Can you say amen? amen? All right? Because for the child of God, no matter what you walk through, even if that piggy bank shatters, I want to tell you right now, God's going to help you. His grace is sufficient in those times, all right? But again, here's what wisdom does. Wisdom allows God to make deposits in our life, okay? We then, when he makes that deposit, we choose to live that out versus going our own way. Proverbs says, there's a, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's always, we, how many know, we always have an opinion. Well, here's what I think about that. Our opinions lead to death. God's opinions lead to life. Are you with me? And finally, we've got to trust because I want to tell you, there are times, no matter how much you read the Bible, no matter how godlyly you live, no matter what you do to honor God, there are times in your life where you're going to have to trust God's wisdom. All right? He is a miracle worker. But I want to tell you, there's times when the miracle doesn't happen. There's times when he has to be the way maker. Brian, I'm not bringing your leg back right now, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you the strength to live life without that leg. All right? That's God. He's faithful. So that's kind of the challenge with Proverbs. And here's what I want to close with today before we take communion. Here's the question. When you're reading the Proverbs, are the Proverbs as you're reading them, are they guaranteed promises? Pop quiz. Are they guaranteed promises? That you read that? So for example, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll read one to you here. Proverbs 10.27. You read this. In fact, you've already read it. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Is that a guaranteed promise all the time? How many think it is? How many think it's not? Okay, if you think it's not, you're right. It's not a guaranteed promise. Is it scripture? Yes. Is it wisdom? Yes. Is it many times? Is that true? Absolutely. Is it always guaranteed that if you fear God, you're going to live a long life? It's not guaranteed. That's a simple answer. The Proverbs are divine guidelines. They're wise observations, all right? They're teaching. They're, they're principle-based. So it's not like a fortune cookie where you're saying, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to read that, so I'm going to fear God, and I'm going to live till I'm 100. This coming Saturday, we're going to celebrate Cora Cuck. She's going to turn 100 this month, all right? There are times, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to be transparent. There's days I wake up and say, I hope I don't make it that long. I'm ready for heaven. I don't know about you. <laughs> we did a video with my grandmother. It was, so, it was so powerful. My uncle died last week. I buried my uncle last week, and I shared this with my family as I did the funeral. Uh, my sister said to my grandmother, we have a little video. I, I should, I'll, maybe I'll play it sometime in the future because it talks about how quick life is. We asked Cora, and she's battling some dementia and whatever. Not Alzheimer's, but dementia. We said, Mom, we call her Mom Cuck. She had nine kids. What else are you going to call her? Mom, how old do you think you are? She kind of rubbed her chin. She had to really think about it. She said, am I in my 50s? <laughs> no, Mom, that's where I am. <laughs> You're just a little above that. Rubbed her chin again. She didn't quite know. My sister said, uh, Mom, you're going to be 100 this month. She said, no way. She said, that's amazing. We said, yeah, it is amazing. It was like one of the cutest things 
I've ever seen in my life. I was like, she kept saying, I'm gonna be, I, that's unbelievable. She, she was like blown away by it. I said, we're all blown away by it. <laughs> but if you fear the Lord, doesn't mean you're gonna live to 100. The Proverbs are not a guaranteed promise. They're principles of wisdom that we can build our life on, all right? The Proverbs are not always these inflexible laws that are absolute promises. We just need to understand that as we're reading them. You know, an atheist can read that and say, well, if you fear the Lord, you're gonna live a long life. Well, I don't even believe that. That, that, that doesn't come true. I know people that are wicked that live till they're 100. That's true, they do. And there's people that love God and die early. And we've seen that. So again, a proverb is not a guaranteed promise, all right? Uh, there are, you say, well, why are there exceptions then? Because, listen, there are exceptions because of the uncertainty of life and the fallenness of man. Like today, I'll tell you right now, the deposit God made in me today, as I read Proverbs, here it is. I was reading it, Proverbs 19, and here was the one that kind of, it just stuck in my mind. I thought, you know, I, I read it, then I stopped. I said, I'm gonna read that again. It was his deposit. Proverbs 19.3, and here's what it talks about. People ruin their own lives by foolishness and then they get angry at the Lord. And I was like, wow. Somewhere in my pastoral ministry, I'm gonna use that. Somewhere in my own personal life, I'm gonna use that. There was that deposit. People ruin their own life by foolishness and then they get mad at God about it. Do you realize a lot of the problems in our life aren't God's causing it at all? We cause it. What a wisdom, what a, I'm gonna use it for Kramer, what a nugget, Kramer. Yeah, I call them bullets, he calls them nuggets, but you know, it's just one of our little deals. But what a, what a level of truth to say, when I use foolishness and I don't do what God wants me to do and I mess up my life, that's on me, all right? God does not guarantee uniform outcome of whatever he's discussing in the Proverbs. They're guidelines. So many times they are true, all right? Um, because when you're going through the Proverbs, what you're doing is you're meditating on what? The mind of God, the character of God, his attributes, his works, his blessings, all right? So when you read these Proverbs every day, you're not saying, that's not a guaranteed promise, but I'm gonna live my life according to that, and God, many times, that's what's gonna happen in my life, all right? So, let me ask you a question. I'm gonna close with this thought. Does the Bible promise that godly parenting will always result in godly children? That's right, it doesn't. Here's, here's the Proverbs. You're gonna read it next week, not this coming, but the following. Proverbs 22, six, in the, in the New Living Translation says this. Direct your children, notice that, direct. If I'm underlining and highlighting, I highlight that. Direct your children onto the right path. You can't make them get on the right path. You can't force them to stay on the right path, but you can direct them. Now, when they're under 18 and you're raising them, you know what, let me just give a word to parents. You can, you can really strongly encourage them to do that. Come on. <laughs> Say, Brian, did you spank your children? Uh, yes. You can email me if you want to on that. I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. So is that a guaranteed promise? You direct your children, you love your children, you take them to church, you pray for them, you go through the word with them. Are you guaranteed that when they're old, they're not gonna walk away from God? No, you're not guaranteed that. In the, new, in the NIV, it says, start your children off. 
Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. It says, so, you know, direct them, uh, start them off, train them up in the way they should go. That's a powerful principle. We should do that, all right? That's a huge guideline, but it's not a guaranteed promise. Uh, why? Because your kids have a free will. They're not robots. You can pour into them, you can pray for them, you can bless them, you can bring God's favor over them, you can do all that, but when they get to, that's why we always say at GT, thank God for this church, thank God for student ministries, kids ministries, I thank God for that. They're, they're not taking the place of a parent, that's our role to still do that, but as Scott says in, in GT and 60, it's another voice. So right now, the youth team is ministering to your students if you've got teenagers, and they're a voice for God to them. You can be a voice for God to them every day, but ultimately, all of us have to stand before God and say, God, I'm gonna honor you. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, and the, the, the inclination in the Greek word is both parents, so this is true for mom and dad, but it says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. So we're not provoking, we're not angry, we're not saying, no, you shouldn't do that, no, stop doing that, no, no, no. You know, one of the first words our kids learn is what? No, because I hear it all the time. <laughs> My grandkids will say it once in a while. Jason will say, no, daddy. I'm like, well, that's what he hears, yeah, you know? And that's not a bad thing, but there's times we need, we don't need to provoke, we need to be positive, right? Catch them, you know, catch your kids this week doing something good and commend them for it. That's wisdom. It says in 2 Timothy 1.5, here's what it says to Timothy, all right? Here's, this, here's that wisdom piece from 3,000 years ago being brought to Timothy. Paul says, I remember your genuine faith. He's talking to Timothy. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Paul is saying to Timothy, when I look at you, I see a genuine faith in you. And it doesn't surprise me because I saw that in your grandmother and I saw it in your mom. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. Why? Because Timothy made that choice. He became a missionary, a helper to Paul on those journeys, the second, first and second missionary journey, all right? But you say, well, there you go. It's a guaranteed promise. No, what about Samuel? What about the prophet Samuel? I love, I love reading this first and second Samuel, two of my favorite books of the Bible. I love reading about David and Samuel. Here's what it says about Samuel, 319. As Samuel grew up, now he's a young boy, he's growing up, the Lord was with him and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. In the New King James, it says, not one of Samuel's words ever fell to the ground. If he prophesied it, it came true. If he spoke it, he did it. I love that about him. He was a godly man. He ruled Israel for many years. He was a judge. He was a prophet. He anointed Saul. He anointed the king. He was the leader of the nation of Israel. Here's what we read later in his life. When you get to 1 Samuel 8, verses one through five. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba, but notice this, but they were not like their father. For they were greedy for money, they accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you're now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us 
like all the other nations have. That was a big change in the nation of Israel. They now are asking for Saul. They're asking for a king because they're, his sons, even though he raised them, even though he led the nation, even though he was a spiritual leader, not one word he ever spoke to the nation or his kids ever fell to the ground. They made a choice. We're not gonna be like that. You want justice? You give me more money. You bribe me, I'll give you what you want. That changed the whole course of Israel, all right? So it wasn't a guaranteed promise in Proverbs for Samuel. All right? Uh, this is what we often talk about with our kids and our students. Uh, here's what I want us to do. These are principles. These are wisdom for life. And, and again, I don't know. I just felt this, this whole week, I felt the emotion. And I'm not a feeler. I've often said as a pastor, I feel like I need to cry more than I do. But this week, I cried a lot. I cried for Steve Pennington. I cried as he and Trina buried their son. And I cried for some of you. Because I've, I've had other pain in my life like we've all had, but here's what I wanna do right now. I just feel the, the impression to do this right now. If you have a son or a daughter, you've, you've lived for God, you've served God, and you have a son or daughter that's walked away from what you've raised them to be, I want you to stand with me today. Don't be embarrassed, it's a safe place because we're gonna pray together. I wanna pray over you. We're gonna take time to go into communion but I have felt the pain of this. Sometimes it's harder than what you deal with physically in your life. Father, I just take this moment right now as we stand here, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your promises. God, I, I pray that today that no one standing today will ever blame themselves for what their children do. God, I know they could say, well, if I'd have gotten saved earlier, there are many years I didn't live for the Lord, I did my own thing, and now my kids want nothing to do with God. But God, they've seen the change in this person's life. And God, we pray right now for that son, that daughter, whether they're naturally born, whether they're an adopted child, whoever they are, God, we pray right now for that son or daughter. I pray, God, by the grace of God, that, God, you would speak with them. They can argue about our beliefs. They can argue about what they don't agree with. But God, they can't argue with our prayers. And we pray right now that you would touch their life, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, God. I pray, God, that you would use circumstances in their life, that someone would speak to them, God, that they would have another voice in their life that would challenge them because one day, God, they're gonna die too. And we wanna die in your grace. We wanna die with salvation being upon our heart. So I pray for those kids right now in this moment. And we thank you for what you're gonna do for them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It's just another deposit. You know, you can think of your prayers that way. It's just another prayer. And it's a hard prayer to pray as a dad to say, God, whatever it takes, I want my son to be in heaven with you. Do whatever it takes, God. Right? As we get ready for communion today, I'm gonna ask those who are serving us to get ready. The team's gonna lead us. You know, I was thinking about this. In fact, I'm just gonna take all these, and I was just thinking about it. As I was dropping these in the, in the piggy bank, I was thinking about that sound, that deposit, that wisdom, that proverb, that prayer, whatever it is. I, I was thinking about this before I put the last coin in. I was thinking about what would it have been like to be there that day and hear the sound of that hammer hitting that nail? that Jesus Christ took in his hands and his feet for us. I was just reflecting on that. I was thinking about that for a moment. In fact, here's what it says in Colossians. In him, Paul says, in who? In Jesus. 
In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him. Everything we read in the word, the Proverbs, in fact, the Bible says he was the word. The word was God. In the beginning with God. In Jesus Christ is all the wisdom and knowledge that can ever be had. And all that wisdom came into a human body, God in the flesh, and dwelt among us in a sinless, perfect life, and then laid down on that cross, and you hear those nails going into that. Before we take communion, I just I feel strongly to, to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. Listen, it snowed. Kutztown's joining us here today. If you're watching online, we're gonna take just a couple minutes longer than we normally do. But you're sitting in this room right now. You're watching on Facebook. You're watching on GT Live. I don't know how you're hearing this message today. You may be sitting right here at West Lawn, but I'm gonna ask you, this is the most important question. Not did you keep your New Year's resolution. Not is your retirement where you want it. Not are you, no. Here's the most important question. When you die, are you ready for heaven? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ into your life by faith? Have you ever received his grace? Have you ever said, God, I'm a sinner and I need to repent and give my life to you? Because the Bible says when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead who took those nails for us, who shed his blood for us, that when you do that, heaven's gonna be your home. You're gonna go, you don't have to swipe your debit card. You don't have to put it on credit. You don't have to get a loan. You just have to accept by faith the gift that God offers every one of us. If you're in this room right now and you've never done that and you'd like to, you have to allow God to come into your life. You have a free moral will. You can choose foolishness or you can choose wisdom. You can choose life or you can choose death. You can say, I'm going to heaven by God's grace or I'm going to hell on my own good works. It's your choice. Here's what I'm gonna have you do. I'm gonna have you, if you want that, I want you to stand right now. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you do anything other than just stand and say, Brian, I need that in my life. If you're watching online, you can click the button, you can react, but if you're here right now in the sound of my voice anywhere, I want you to stand if you need that in your life. Go ahead and stand. And I'm gonna wait a second because this is an important thing. God bless you. Thank you so much. It's a safe place. God's here. God's grace is here. You heard the girl in the video went to mercy. She, she went to mercy and found mercy. You need mercy. We all need it. Stand right now. God will save you. He'll change your life. That's why he died on the cross for you. Anybody else that will join this one? I want to tell you right now, heaven's going wild for this gal. I can tell you that right now. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. I want you to pray it out loud with me, a simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for my sins. I repent of them today and I receive your gift of salvation. I place my faith in you. Wash away my sins. Help me live for you all my days. In your name I pray, amen, amen, amen. 
Uh, our team is gonna come and bring this gal a, a, a little white packet. It kind of gets her started on her journey. In fact, I, I'm gonna do one other thing. I don't, I don't wanna embarrass you, but I wanna give you a gift. I'm gonna ask you to come up front, can you? Can you come up front? You're gonna get a piggy bank as a gift today. That's right, let's give it up. Heaven's going wild for her. Thank you, God. Man, what a pleasure. I am so thrilled. Dear, what is your name? Courtney, I, we welcome you into the kingdom of God today. That's so awesome. God has changed your life today. You're gonna take communion with us in a second, and um, it's gonna be wonderful. But I wanna give you all these deposits, all right? Let this be a memory of today, will you? God bless you. Give it up for Courtney. Father, we ask you to bless this communion. God, you are, you are the wisdom. You are, it lies, God, you're all the wisdom. You're the fullness of the Godhead, Lord. Jesus, we love you. And I pray that as we receive these elements today, your cup, God, the bread that represents your body, God, would we just, would we just once again be just amazed of how much you love us? Let this be a powerful time. In your name we pray, amen. Team, lead us in this song, Living Hope.